This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Thank you. Timna. Hi, my name is Timna. I'm a compulsive overeater and bulimic. Hi, Timna. Um, I'm also a recovering addict and alcoholic, um, So, but tonight I'm going to be focusing primarily on food, which is my primary addiction. Um, to qualify, I've been in programs since um, 1997. Uh, so 13 years, and I'm 120 pounds down from my highest weight, um, at least, because at 470 pounds, there was no scale and no knowing and no anything else. Um, so I qualify because my sponsor told me to. Um, and that, in some ways, I could just say, I do what my sponsor tells me to, and then I could just go home, but I'm supposed to tell my story. <laughs> Um, so, but that's what works for me. Um, and the days when I can do that are the days when I'm struggling a lot less. Um, so briefly what it was like, um, I'm a person who was, uh, I don't remember a time when I didn't turn to food, um, as my solution. Um, it, I have discovered that my first diet was when my mom was pregnant with me. Um, she, her doctor told her she gained weight too fast, so she mm -hmm. lost 20 pounds in her third trimester. Um, and, you know, so I, and I came into a world in 1970 in Mill Valley, California, um, where it was not okay to be big, um, and where nobody knew what to do with me, because I was big and strong and tall. I have pictures, I pass these around. Um, um, I am, there's a picture in there of me at eight or nine where I was starting to hit puberty early. And, um, thank you. Um, and I knew I was really fat at that time and everyone was sort of talking about it and my weight was a subject of family conversation and how I ate was a topic for everyone to try and, you know, help with. Um, and I look at that picture now, and I'm like, hey. Because um, I work with kids, and I look at, and that's, you know, not a small child, and not a morbidly obese child. Um, but in 1979, in California, that was enough for me to be kind of out of the norm. Dieting was what messed me up as much as binging. Um, I discovered dieting and binging at about the same time, coincidentally. Um, I think I learned to binge by dieting. Um, my first diet was a paid diet at age eight, and then for the next eight years, it was every diet imaginable. I became bulimic um, about 13 or 14. A friend taught me, and we, it was a social activity. Um, and it was, it was, it absolutely was. And it was um, an attempt to sort of gain some control. Um, I did everything. I, uh, at a very early age, to try and gain some control. Um, and I don't necessarily want to tell horror stories, but there are some pretty dumb things um, that were done to me and that I agreed with. And then when I was 17, I moved out of my mother's house and I stopped dieting, which was something of a solution, um, but I didn't know how to stop binging. Um, and so the result was that I got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and I got less and less in my body. I lived here less and less. Um, 
I was sharing with someone that uh, there are pictures of me where I'm wearing sort of lovely dresses um, <laughs> that start about here and go to about here and go down to my toes. And I was alive from here up and from here out. I had lots of pretty jewelry and um, lots of nice makeup. And uh, I just wanted all the rest of it to go away. Um, and I thought that if I draped myself well enough, you would not see me. Um, and I had a lot of shame and self-loathing. Um, I still have a lot of shame and self-loathing, but I work a spiritual program and I <laughs> change the words that my sponsor tells me to change and I work a daily practice to not act on my self-loathing. Um, so I had a period of time where I just sort of tried to not be here without actually um, committing suicide. I got into drugs, I got into alcohol, um, I was pretty much up for anything. Um, luckily, I was not up for anything that got in between me and the food in some ways, so I didn't get into some of the harder drugs that um, might have, I don't know, been more important than food. I never was willing to have anything be more important than food. Um, and it was actually one of those diets, kind of a last gasp when I was 26, um, that sent me into OA. I had heard of OA in college um, when I was at UCLA, and I, you know, at 300 pounds, um, tried going to a lunch meeting at UCLA um, in 1988. And my perception was that every single person in the room was very small and very blonde um, and, you know, had lunches the size of a little postage stamp or a cigarette <laughs> box. And I had a sandwich or something that I was too embarrassed to take out. And, um, and I knew OA wasn't for me because those people had something that I, they weren't like me. Um, because I had, you know, I was big and scary and they were little and what was their problem? I have since learned um, that it doesn't take 100 pounds to have a problem or 200 pounds to have a problem. Um, and that a slender person can share um, a story with me. Um, but that's also taken a lot of learning. Um, so when I was 27, a good friend of mine um, saved my life. And I was, um, she saved my life by telling me to come back to California um, and sending me to her mother's therapist, um, having me move in with her and getting me a job. Like she literally saved my life. Um, and the therapist handed me um, not a meeting schedule for OA, but a little slip of paper that had the century meeting in Oakland, the 100-pounder meeting in Oakland, had the day, the time, and the place, just on this little piece of paper. And she said, you need to go there. And what I heard her say, thank God, was I heard her say, you need to go there six times for six weeks in a row or I won't see you. Um, she never said that. She never said that. I talked about it with her later, and she said, I would never have made you do that. But I heard that I had to go to OA or she wouldn't see me, which is the only way I went back to that meeting for six times. Um, so I told myself what I needed to hear, so I thank God for that. And uh, what, I, what I know now is that I came into this program in relapse. I came into this program in huge resistance um, and in huge despair, um, and I did not um, come for the vanity and stayed for the sanity. I um, was pretty sure I was going to die 
um, and I came because I thought there might be a little bit of sanity here. Um, and I, knew, I had already given up on vanity. I was so far past vanity. Uh, well, I thought I was so far past vanity. Um, but I really didn't think that there was any hope for my body left, but I thought that there might be some for my head and my heart, like I might have some peace. Um, and I came into these meetings, and at my first meeting, I heard people telling my secrets out loud, the stuff that I had been hiding for a really long time. Um, and I knew in some way that I was home, um, and then I proceeded to fight tooth and nail, because that's what I do. That's who I am. I, I don't know if that's the story for other 100-pounders, but I've been fighting my whole life, and I fought with food for a really long time, and I, food was my weapon of choice. Um, and so I would sit in meetings, and I would then go and eat, and eat compulsively. I would sit in meetings and plan binges. Um, I, and I stayed, and I kept coming back. And people kept saying, the only thing you have to do is keep coming back. I was like, I'm going to take you at your word. The only thing I'm going to do is keep coming back. And I didn't do anything else. I was like, nothing. And then I heard about these 12 steps, and so I picked up a workbook. And I worked them alone, right, because nobody was going to help me. And I worked this. And the, thing, the truth for me is that if I work the steps, I will lose weight, period. Um, if I work the steps with help and support, I will not lose my mind and I will lose weight. Um, but no matter what, if I work the steps, I'm going to lose weight. So I, you know, did the steps and I got to step five and I gave it away to someone I didn't know who I never saw again. Um, and then, and meanwhile, I had lost some weight and then I just snapped and I don't know, gained 50 pounds in three months. Like it was not okay for me to start recovering. Um, and it took me a long time in program before I finally asked someone to be my sponsor. Um, and it wasn't until I asked someone to be my sponsor that I could become abstinent. Um, and I literally um, was abstinent so far the day that I asked her to be my sponsor. Like I hadn't compulsively eaten yet that day, and I asked her to be my sponsor, and then I was able to stay abstinent for three years. Um, and I still have a vivid memory. We were at a retreat, and I was leaving the retreat, and I said, how do I drive home without getting fast food? I literally, I didn't know how to get in my car, drive my car from Santa Cruz to Oakland, and not stop for fast food. Like, I didn't understand how that worked. And she handed me a banana, and she said, you put this in the seat next to you. <laughs> and if you need a snack, you eat the banana. And I really was like, you do? Like, this This was like rocket science to me, you know? People say it ain't rocket science. I was, I was really surprised. Um, and I put that banana in the seat next to me, and I drove home, and I kept looking at the banana, and I was like, if I need something, I have this. And, you know, it wasn't the banana so much as it was. I had a sponsor. I had someone suggesting that maybe a snack on the So I am a person who has been continually surprised by the fact that when I ask for help, the help is so much bigger than I think is available and so much deeper um, than I think I deserve. And the fellowship in this program is repeatedly the thing that um, saves my life um, on a day. And I don't want that to be true. You know, like I look out at this room and you all seem like wonderful people, and I just really think I should be able to figure this out on my own. I'm, you know, I'm smart, and I'm in charge, and I should be able, and I simply cannot. Um, and that, for me, is step one. Um, 
Another part of my uh, story is one of relapse in this program. Um, and it's all very connected to, for me, uh, relationships. I didn't have relationships before I got abstinent. And then I got abstinent, I started to turn into a person through weight loss in part, but also through working the steps and changing as a human being, I think primarily. Um, I started to become a person who might be available and who might be attractive. And I fell in love. And I picked up the food because I did not know how to have a relationship and not eat every time they did and not want to entertain ourselves together with food. And I lost my first abstinence over a relationship um, and stopped working with my sponsor, stopped working the steps, and was going to that same one meeting in Oakland, you know, moaning about the fact that I didn't have a sponsor and I was in relapse and nobody loved me and... Somebody come help me, but nobody would, and there was nobody who could help me. And this woman, literally, a woman I'd never seen before, came in uh, to the meeting, was a volunteer speaker, because no one had shown up that day, heard me moaning, and came up to me after the meeting and said, that sponsor thing, that's no big deal. I'll be your sponsor. Call me tomorrow. <laughs> okay, you know, so I said it out loud in an OE meeting, and I got what I needed. Um, and she taught me some of the most essential things about... Um, coming out of relapse, which if relapse is kind of in some ways my default state, that resistance and despair and I'm not worth it and it's not possible anyways mindset is really kind of what I, what I took as my home base. Um, and so coming out of relapse for me is what recovery is all about. Um, and she just said uh, total honesty and no judgment. That's it. Those, do those two things and work the steps. Um, and so I started telling her honestly what I was eating, no matter what it was, um, and not judging myself, which uh, for me was actually the harder of the two things. Um, and slowly but surely, I came out of relapse, um, and I worked the steps through again, and I kind of got to another both layer of um, physical recovery and another layer of emotional recovery, and then I fell in love. And this is really my story. Um, and I, my last conversation with that sponsor um, on the phone, she had moved away, and we were trying to figure out how that worked. And she said something to me like, why do you think it is that you keep trading away your recovery for a relationship? Why do you think that's the price? Um, and I said, I don't know. And she said, well, I think you should write about that and call me back. And that was like three and a half years ago. <laughs> and I never called her back because that I didn't want to look at that at all. I didn't want to um, investigate that. I wanted to, you know, be fat and happy or whatever it was, play. I wanted to entertain myself with food along with other people who were doing that. Um, and then I went to a meeting, not sort of admitting I was in relapse, uh, but thinking it and noticing that I had gained weight. Um, another part of my story, I should say, is that I, in getting sober um, from alcohol and drugs, I um, picked up more food. Um, and it was really, it's, it's in the big book. It's in the AA literature. Have a cookie. You know? You know? <laughs> Having a hard time? Have a cookie. It's like, oh, wait. <laughs> That's a problem for me. And in a lot of meetings and other programs, people would bring food, and they would have birthdays, and they would serve you cake. And I'd be like, oh. Um, and I heard a woman once in an AA meeting, actually, say, I needed to get the substance out of my body and get out of the way so that higher power could transform my life. 
and I was struck um, abstinent from refined sugar and flour and chocolate and soda and deep fried foods um, because I knew what the substances were. It wasn't a mystery. It wasn't like, hmm, I wonder what those things are that are my addictive substances. Um, and I managed to go into relapse without picking up any of those things. So I was relieved from the substances, which is a beautiful thing and is a part of my story. But another part of my story is that I can overeat really clean food. Um, I can overeat, you know, bran muffins and hard-boiled eggs, um, which actually doesn't sound good right now, and I'm relieved for that. Um, so I went to a meeting, uh, and, you know, it was that same century meeting. Um, and it, so it's gotten really small. Like, I look in this room, and I see so many people, and it's wonderful. That meeting is small and struggling. Um, but I walked in, and I saw a person I knew, and she said, how you doing? And I said, I think I'm in relapse. And she didn't say, oh, I'm sorry. She looked at me, and she said, what are you going to do about it? <laughs> and that, for me, is the love in OA right there, is the honesty that I get back, the compassion that I get back. And she didn't say it rhetorically. She said, what are you going to do about it? And then she sat looking at me, waiting for me to answer the question. And I said, well, I guess maybe I'll do more meetings. And she said, I think you should do a 30 and 30. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll do a 30. And so I did a 30. And then I got to the end of the 30 and 30, and I talked to my friend. Uh, who and I didn't have a sponsor at the time, um, and we decided to start a step group, and we started working the steps in a group of people. Um, and it was in that step group that I met the woman that I asked to be my sponsor. Um, and I got to the end of the 30 and 30, and I said, so I you know, finished the 30 and 30. She said, how'd it work for you? I said, it was really good. I'm starting to feel like more connected. She said, I think you should do a 90 and 90. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so really, um, today... What my sobriety is, is I do what people in OA tell me. I don't do everything everyone tells me because, trust me, I'm way too resistant for that. And I'm way too um, proud of my own discernment and ability to make decisions. Um, but when I can release my pride and shame, which go together, they're the same thing, um, when I'm feeling really proud and, like, I have to do it my way, it's because I'm full of shame and self-loathing. Um, when I can release that with step three and really turn it over and say, thy will be done, and I'm not talking about me on a good day, um, and I'm also not talking about um, sort of some perfect version of the way things should be, um, OA talks back to me, and I get answers from you all. People actually speak to me and speak recovery. Um, so today, I'm working the steps. I um, work with a sponsor. We meet once a week. Um, I'm on step nine. I'm just starting step nine. I've made one amends this time around. Um, I plan my food every day. I have a food plan that uh, I went to a nutritionist because... Believe it or not, as much knowledge as I think I have from all those diet books and all of those diet programs, I don't know what I should eat. Everyone's nodding their head. I was surprised. I really, I still am surprised, you know. I, 
today I heard someone say um, this, and so I'm paraphrasing, I don't have to worry about um, lethal eating. I don't have to worry that I'm going to order three pizzas and a cake and eat them all. I've done that. I don't have to worry about that today, and I'm so grateful that that has been relieved. I'm so grateful that I don't know what Chinese food delivers to my house. Five minutes? Um, I don't know the answer to those. You know, I, I literally don't know. Um, but now I get to deal with non-lethal eating, right? Because I'm still a compulsive overeater, and I still don't understand how I'm supposed to eat. So a nutritionist said, why don't you try this and come back in a month? That was six months ago, and I've been trying that for six months. Um, and I don't want to go back because I'm pretty convinced that she's going to say, okay, now there could be less. Um, I'm pretty sure that that's going to be the next thing she says. Um, and, and I don't particularly want to hear that. So I haven't stopped being resistant. You know, I have my good days and my good moments, and I continue to try to turn over my will. I do. Um, and I am also getting smaller. I had a, um, a dear woman at a meeting who is one of those slender people who I think could never understand my problems and could never see me, um, who I have learned has actually a lot going on. Um, she came up and she gave me this big hug and she just kind of looked at me and she said, you're shrinking. But she was like smiling and happy about it. And the truth is, is that I'm terrified I'm shrinking. Um, it's also the goal. My knees are happier. My back is happier. I know I'm healthier. Um, and I'm scared silly um, of getting smaller. I also don't see it. I look in the mirror and I don't see it. Um, there's some pictures in there of me with over 100 pounds more on my frame, and I don't necessarily see that there's a difference. Some days I see that there's a difference. Most days I do not. Um, and so what I was able to say, I couldn't, I couldn't be happy that she saw me shrinking, but I could say thank you for mirroring me, right? Because that's why I'm here with you guys is because I need other people to see me and reflect back to me and kind of tell me what's true. Because, um, uh, what do they say? My head is not a safe neighborhood to be in alone mm -hmm. at night. Um, so I'm working the steps. I pray every day. I, in my step group, I used every tool every day for like a, I guess, a 13-week period. Um, and I got so much relief from that that I really do try and use a lot of the tools. Um, and the tools are not the steps. So I'm going to pitch the steps and say I've never had physical or spiritual or emotional recovery from working the tools. Um, I get them from working the steps. And if I don't work the tools... I don't know how to keep coming back to these meetings and stay in these rooms. Um, I'm really excited about the new tool um, of an action plan. And I not only plan my food, but I plan actions for each day. And then at the end of the day, and I try and do it every day, don't always do it every day, I report back on what I actually ate, if I made any changes, um, and on what my actions were. And today, I get to be totally honest and practice not judging myself. Um, very imperfectly. And that sort of learning to love myself is really, I think, the most important thing I've learned here. Um, and I'm really grateful that I get to be here with you all. Thank you.